to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we're speaking with Grace Bennett, former senior editor at McCall's and Sesame Street Parents Magazines, relauncher, and now publisher and editor in chief of the Inside Press Hyper Local and Regional Magazine Publications Group. Grace, welcome to 321 I Relaunch. Thank you, Carol. It's a pleasure to be on. Well, we're so thrilled to have you. I want to talk all about this topic of relaunching in publishing and journalism, and you have such an interesting story. Uh, so before we talk about the relaunch part of it, can you talk to us about your career path itself? And actually, I, as we were talking, you weren't ever completely on a career break. You always, as you said, had a toe in. So can you talk to us a little bit about that career path? Sure. I've had a bug for journalism since I've been in high school. It started in high school and I worked for the local, high, the, the, not the local, but my high school newspaper. Um, and then from there in college, and I went to Boston University and, and had was studying journalism there and worked for the local weekly newspaper. And uh, from there, I graduated and worked for two years as a staff writer for a hospital, a psychiatric hospital um, called McLean Hospital near Boston. And then I went and got my master's degree in journalism from Columbia University. And from there, I um, got my first daily newspaper job. And that was kind of a big break for me. I was a politics and general assignment reporter. And I... I did that, and then I had a little travel bug. I took some time off to travel. I went to eight different countries. I came back, and I ended up getting another full-time job for a newsletter company called Boardroom Reports. From there, I became the health. They had a health newsletter, and that was a transition to health journalism. And that helped me get a break at a, my first magazine job at Women's Day Magazine, where I became the health editor. Right away, I skipped the whole assistant path because I'd had some interesting experience, and the editor-in-chief took a chance on me. From Women's Day Magazine, I went to – I was hired at McCall's Magazine as a senior editor, and I was in charge of parenting and relationships coverage – uh, I had a regular column called McCall's Investigates, and uh, I worked there for a while, but I had a little baby. I, I had taken a maternity leave from Women's Day after, and then McCall's hired me, and after about a year at McCall's, I wanted to spend more time with my daughter, and um, I got a part-time job at, uh, at Sesame Street Parents Magazine, which was a... Um, subsidiary of children, Chapelco Children's Television Workshop. It was part of their magazine division. And it was a really wonderful job. I had that for several years while I was raising my, my youngest, I was my, my oldest child. She was, she was a toddler and then a preschooler. And I was working for a magazine for parents of preschoolers. So I had all these wonderful ideas for them. And that worked out very nicely. And Unfortunately, uh, that was a casualty, and that magazine didn't last all that long. Um, and I, and then I had my second child, and I'm trying to remember the trajectory of events. But to make a long story short, I just pieced together a freelance career. I continued to work for them for a little while before they they folded. Um, 
and then continue to just freelance articles for women's magazines, like with housekeeping. I did a lot of freelance writing for McCall's before it turned, while while it turned to Rosie's and before it it folded. So the magazine industry was already feeling a little bit of the heat of um, the times. And, you know, they, they were going through a transition even way back, way back then in the, in the, in the mid nineties. And from, from there, I, I, during this freelance career, um, I, I did have in the back of my head that, you know, I wanted to get back into, into a full-time job one day. Uh, And when that time came, the kids were a little older and I found myself uh, a bit, a bit sad about, I should say about leaving uh, the littler ones. They were still kind of little. They were, I don't know, five and nine. And I, I got, I put my suit on and started interviewing for jobs again at magazines and it wasn't really feeling right. So I took a little time off to just figure out what I was going to do. And I, I didn't really want to do the full-time commute at that point in time. So I considered other careers. I considered a career, a law school career, a, a lawyer, a legal career, and even took my a Stanley Kaplan course. But I, I oh, changed wow. my mind about that. Um, at some point in time, I decided I didn't want to do that. Even after taking the Stanley Kaplan, Kaplan course, I actually walked out of the exam. Oh, you, I was, you mean, I was you mean the, the actual um, LSAT, like the prep exam yes. to go off? Yes, I remember feeling absolutely exhausted from childcare the night before. And even after taking the Stanley Kaplan course, I went in to take the exam and I was sleep deprived. And I said, I'm not going to do as well as I wanted to in this exam. I don't even really want to be doing this. Um, I just I just straight out changed my mind from, well, from that idea. Good you figured it out right then. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and and then I, I was just at a loss. I was feeling, I, I was having a mid-career life crisis, actually. I, I felt that maybe I wasn't a prime candidate anymore for these senior editor jobs. I even feel, felt a little aged out at the ripe old age of, you know, in my late thirties, I was feeling aged out because I had taken time off and there's such, there seemed to be such a strict trajectory of, um, uh, of your career path in, in the, in the, in the magazine world. If you took time off back then, it was, it was, it was not looked, they, they didn't, they weren't, they, they didn't look upon it as kindly as maybe they do today. It was kind of a strike against you. And I found myself being interviewed by much younger women, women who were maybe, you know, in their late 20s and early 30s who were very ambitious. And here was this mom who had taken six years off. And I wasn't quite what they wanted. I was also living out in the suburbs, so on and so forth. So that's where I was like, well, wow, how disappointing. After all this time, nobody wants me. I was feeling very sad about it mm-hmm. that I was like, wow, yeah. wow, how did I, how did that happen just from having kids? So I, I you know, so I started c- considering other career options, including the legal career. Um, and then a friend of mine uh, who was an art teacher at one of the local elementary schools says, have you ever said to me, have you ever considered teaching? And I said, no, not really. She said, well, there's a reading spot available at 
you know, the local elementary school want the reading teacher just quit. And I know they're, they're pretty eager to get somebody in. So I said, you know, that sounds like fun. It was reading to kindergartners. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was working for Sesame Street parents and I had little ones and I was yeah, like, why not? I, I could read to kindergartners. It, <laughs> it was a nine to three job. And mm -hmm. I decided I would figure out my life from there. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to go on the interview, long story short, even though I'd never, I had never taught, they decided they could train me to teach the kindergartners. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was given a cubicle where I had a little roster of half hour se sessions with these little five and six year olds where I would basically read and, and, and sound out words for them and help them learn how to read if they were having trouble. And the one thing you need to know about kindergartners is that half the, half the time, half of them, most of the time, half of them were, were out sick. Oh. <laughs> they, catch a lot, they catch a lot of colds. So either they had a doctor's appointment or they were out sick. So my little roster of six appointments a day started, was really truly two to four a day. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of free time to just kind of, free associate because I was sitting in this little cubicle uh -huh. and the, the rules of the school where you really weren't allowed to leave the premises for more than a half hour for lunch, even if you were free. Uh -huh. So I was in my cubicle feeling a little bit trapped and um, that I wasn't allowed to leave. And I, I just had to quote unquote, pretend I was working a little bit by reviewing the notes about my reading with these little ones, but it was really nothing to pretend about. I, I literally had this tap my fingers time on my hands and I just free associated at that point. And I, I think the free association is really good when you just let your mind wander. Yeah. I get, I know um, I get some of my best ideas that way when I'm like, yeah, that. it was just, it was real downtime. I, I was, I was confined to a space and I was forced to just think about what I wanted to do with my life. I knew it wasn't that. Even though I was enjoying the kids, I was feeling confined and a little claustrophobic from the experience after being a, you know, this daily newspaper reporter, the senior editor, and here I was in this little space, yeah. you know, with, with the kids. It didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do, but it also gave me this time to think. And a newsletter from the school fell on my desk one day, just the, the school district newsletter. And I was flipping through mm -hmm. the newsletter and I knew the town hall also had a newsletter, but I also knew that the area or the, the area that I lived in didn't have a publication that independently covered things that it was all house organs, the school newsletter, the town newsletter that was providing news to everybody. And there were a lot of controversies in the town at the time. Mm -hmm. So I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to, you know, start a little publication for this area? That's when it first occurred to me. I had never really thought of starting my own publication. And I came home. Um, I told my then husband, I am divorced. <laughs> uh, I was married for 20 years. And at mm -hmm. that time, I did say, hey, honey, what do you think of this idea? And he thought it was fabulous. We get along great. We're good friends mm -hmm. today. And he thought it was a great idea. And I started running it by friends. So I think another 
key piece of this is when an idea comes to you, you, you really you really kind of run with it by associate you you really op it past your friends and your colleagues and you, you get feedback. And then once I started getting the feedback, I started getting very confident about it because this one friend of mine said, Oh my God, what a great idea. And you're the one to do it. Mm-hmm. That you're the one to do it. She said, you are tailor-made for this. You have the exact background. You live in this er- wonderful area. The Clintons just moved to Chappaqua. <laughs> <laughs> Good timing. <laughs> true. Um, and also the town, Chappaqua, is the hometown to Horace Greeley, who was the first newspaper uh, uh, publisher. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it has a rich history. The, the Greeley House and the Newcastle Historical Society is really all about the history of journalism in New York State. So here we lived in a town that had this rich history of journalism, and it was getting scant coverage, even though there was a lot happening in the in the district at the town at the time. Specifically, mm-hmm. there was a big debate over whether there should be full day kindergarten or half day kindergarten. Uh, there was a big um, brouhaha over a second middle school that people didn't think needed to be built or they didn't agree at how they were dividing the school district uh, and, and other things that were going on. And the only news we were getting were the official, res- the official news from the school and from the town. And you, right. had to, you had to read between the lines. There was no one doing actual journalism. Uh, so I... Um, I was thinking I would do a newsletter at first. I saw it as maybe just a direct mail newsletter, and I couldn't mm-hmm. quite figure out how to how I might pull that off. But it was my first idea that I would turn to the readers to subscribe to it and get some sort of reader list. So I was looking at it as a newsletter, just like the other ones, but independent. But then one day, I met an old friend for lunch, and she was holding a copy of Greenwich Magazine. And Greenwich Magazine is owned by the Moffley family, and it's a it's it's a hyperlocal magazine, and it's been around for mm-hmm. over fifty years. <laughs> and they have a um, a group of publications as well. So I said, "Hey, Julia, what's that?" And she showed me this magazine. And I she lives she lives in Greenwich, Connecticut. And I said, "Do you read it?" She goes, "Oh, I love it. It's all about our neighbors. It's it's local news. It's." It you know it's easy to hold. It's it's a magazine. It doesn't get your your, your hands dirty like a newspaper. And, you know, she just liked it, and so I flipped through it, and I noticed that it had it was supported by ads, heavily, and I said to myself, I can't do that. I've never sold an ad. That's not what I do. Mm-hmm. And I got very scared. I can't do that. I can only do a newsletter. I I got locked into an idea for a little bit that I can only do one thing. Well, the more I researched it, you know, selling ads and and putting it together, with, you know, with that kind of support was actually going to be easier than trying to get the readers to pay for it and support it and turn a profit. Mm-hmm. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized, hey, this is this is a good idea. And I I did a little sleuthing and I got what's called media kits from, um, from other, from other publishing companies to understand Mm -hmm. how they calculate their rates. And, um, it helped at the time that my ex-husband is a numbers expert because that's not my 
forte. He has a PhD in statistics. Oh, wow. He helped me crunch rates. And that was critical, just finding out how to sell an ad. That was my, my, my biggest hurdle was how to sell an ad, how to create rates and how to put together a quote unquote media kit. Once I did that, I I really created a checklist of 25 things I need to do to launch my, my first magazine. And, um, and I slowly started checking off those, that list. I had to buy, um, I had to buy a list of residences for the area. I had to figure out how many of these magazines I wanted to put out there at first. You know, the distribution model, whether it was going to be mailed, whether it was going to be dropped. I just had a lot of things to think about. And then I had to figure out the easy part for me because I'd been at the skills that I did have um, in the magazine industry really served me well because the editorial I, I did quite easily. I, I recruited some local moms to write some stories mm-hmm. and I, um, I, I wrote one of the stories myself for the launch issue. I, um, I just, I just knew what to do instinctively to put together the editorial for the launch issue. I knew the hot button issues in town. So I knew this, the assignments to make. So I, I just hold on one second. What so? What year was this? When did you publish um, the first issue? First issue launched in the spring of two thousand three, but all the mechanics of it was was happening in the fall of two thousand two, including now trying signing up advertising. Yes, the advertising really started kicking in after the new year, Um, because what I've learned in the business and it and it holds true today is advertisers come in late. They, they, they want to know what's really happening and they want to, they want, they don't want to commit too soon, but I did get commitments well ahead of time because after I created the, the media kit, I did explain to all the merchants around town, if you, you know, I introduced myself, I came up with a bio, um, and I told them what I wanted to do. And at first, some of them looked at me like, who are you? Um, I, you know, there was skepticism, like, we don't know you, why should we do this? No. And I, I got some no's, but I started getting yeses. And one of my first yeses was from a small, at the time it was called Penny Ante, a small toy shop. And it was owned by two women. And they were my first vote of confidence. They said, wow, Grace, this is, this is an amazing idea. We, we want to support this. We want your back cover, in fact. So when they had a back, when, when, I, when I got my back cover and I had a front cover, I was like, wow, now I just have to fill this in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the second hurdle that was really important was um, the real estate companies got on board very early because in the, in the world of hyper-local and regional journalism, you need real estate. You need those house ads. Right. I discovered that kind of early. And I also discovered the domino effect in local publishing that once one person does it, their competitors want, want to follow suit. So when one realtor said, we're going to support you in a big way as well and take a full page ad. When I, when I went into the next realtor, they asked, well, is so-and-so doing it? I said, well, I, I can't tell you yes or no, but I wouldn't take any chances. <laughs> because they both want to be in it. You know, they, they don't want one in it the other right. not in it. So um, 
so slowly there was the domino effect where the more people who took an ad, the more contract into an advertiser and say, um, yes, there are people supporting it. In fact, I've sold that cover. I've sold several pages. You don't want to miss this. This is going to make a big splash when it hits the community. So the first issue was very successful. It, you know, mm-hmm. it, it strangely, it had the same number, number of pages that a typical issue has today because of the whole world of print media. It's, um, it's changed things quite a bit. And that's why I've launched more magazines to make up for the, you know, people moving away a little bit from print advertising and, and at the same time, introducing internet and social media options with my magazines to make it attractive. Uh, so, so, yeah. So go ahead. So, I, I, <laughs> I know. And it's great. And I love the whole history. And I love the whole discussion about how this idea turned into a reality. Um, so I was real, you know, I've, I've been riveted and I, I wanted you to go on and, and talk about all of that. So can you tell us, um, you know, you started with a single issue, I guess, in Chappaqua, and now you have multiple different magazines and a social media presence. So what does um, Inside Press look like now? What are all the components? Sure. Sure. So after I launched the first magazine, I got this incredible response. I got lots of lots of fan mail and great letters from around town. I got pitches from writers who wanted to write for the next issue. So I remembered saying to myself, oh my goodness, I I guess I really have to do this now. Mm -hmm. I I came up with a schedule for more editions. And for a long time, well, again, my kids were were young and uh, things were hectic. I was going through a breakup. So I kept things manageable. I just kept my focus on Inside Chappaqua. And I, um, I, I did try a second regional publication called Single and Smart at one point. Mm-hmm. It was a singles magazine for Westchester County. Mm-hmm. And I did manage to launch one issue of that at, at a very bad timing. It was the spring of 2009 when the economy literally collapsed. Yeah. Yes. So I wasn't, I wasn't able to really, you know, keep that magazine going, which was discouraging, but I went right, I just, you know, chin up. I went right back to just, you know, being happy that I had inside Chappaqua. And for a while it was just that. And then, um, I was doing that for about, well, it's 16 years now. And about five to six years ago, I started inside Armok because it seemed like a natural, you know, natural extension of the inside brand. Um, Chappaqua is Newcastle, part of New, the township of Newcastle, and Armonk is North Castle. So I decided, you know, I could be the queen of two castles. And, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> right. And be the publisher of New and North. They, there seemed to be a synergy between the two communities. A lot of Armonk moms and dads would use services and restaurants, and there just seemed to be a synergy. And I like the Newcastle, North Castle. Um, you know, names, and it it just seemed like a natural second publication. So I launched that, and that's been going successfully for, um, we're going to go into our sixth year pretty soon, and I have those two for a while. And this past spring and summer, I've I've been empty nest now 
for a while. I just, something came over me and I decided it was now or never that I was going to expand my operation, that I wasn't just going to limit it, but I was going to grow my business. So I went to all my advertisers. It was like starting over again because I have every time I launch a new title, it's like starting over because I have to get the support. I have to let them know about it and see if they want to, you know, get on board. And I have to get a certain level of support and eat my budget. And, um, and that's, and that's what I did. So I went back to all my advertisers and I asked them if I did this magazine, if I did a magazine for Pleasantville, if I did a magazine for Briarcliff and Austin, would you be supportive? And slowly but surely, I started adding up, it was adding up numbers again, who would be and how much money I needed to get those next issues out. But I also, you know, you, you gain a certain amount of confidence as a publisher uh, over time. If you start putting them out, you, you don't feel as nervous you know that you're going to get it out there if you just collect a certain amount, number of commitments and meet your budget. Uh, and that's what I'm doing. It's it's always a little bit nerve wracking from issue to issue. I'm not going to say it doesn't come with, you know, uh, especially in this climate as a print publisher, it's tough. You know, there's a lot of options now. People are starting their... Right. Uh, there's a lot of email marketing and um, social media marketing and that didn't exist when I started the magazine. So to compensate, I, I do a little bit of everything. And uh, I have fewer print ads, but they're maybe a little more expensive. And they're, it, it, it is what it is. And I'm still doing it, still enjoying it. So Grace, you manage a team of 20 freelance writers. Uh, Do any relaunchers work for you? Are there people who had journalism careers who are now in that place where you were at when, you know, you were trying to juggle everything and you were freelancing? Um, I I would call them 20 rotating freelancers. Um, My whole, my whole company um, is, I've made it a, a very family friendly place where everybody you know, contributes as much as they can, or, you know, I just assigned to a rotating freelance stable of writers. And as far as the relaunchers go, I I will tell you that when I started the magazine, one of my best relaunchers who helped me get this off the ground was a woman named named Giselle St. Vincent, who at the time was an accountant. And she didn't want to be an accountant. She didn't really... um, enjoy it that much. And she said she loved my idea of starting a publication. So she helped me raise a lot of the ads too. While I went around and raised the ads at the time, she did as well. I had a person who I was paying a commission to. And so she transitioned from accountant to ad sales rep. And then later on, Giselle didn't want to sell ads anymore. And I understood that and started working with an elderly a person and she transitioned into elder care. So I was happy for her. I'm very happy when people sort of find their passion. And I, you know, even though I lost my, my ad rep, I was happy to see her sort of move on and do elder care. Uh, and I know that she was happier doing that. Um, and right now, the reason I bring her up is because I'm working with a new ad rep 
who couldn't be happier doing ad sales. She was, she's a lawyer who, you know, just, she, she's got younger children. Um, her name is Sabra Stadenmeyer. And um, she, um, she, in fact, she's the author of the article I'm going to discuss in a little while. Um, she was, she's raising her own kids and um, she just, just, she loved the magazine and approached me about uh, writing. And at first she was doing some wonderful articles and then she approached me about selling advertising and she has really picked up the ad sales a lot. I've been doing it my, uh, pretty much uh, these last 10 years. <laughs> After Giselle left, I've been pretty much winging it with, um, with the commitments that I have, plus an assistant, a full-time, uh, not a full-time, but a, a, a near full-time assistant who helps me keep everything in order, contacting all the advertisers and keeping that piece of the business mm -hmm. in place. Uh, and, um, in fact, that person, Caroline was, um, and she was in advertising, um, she worked for an advertising firm. Uh, so she transitioned from being an account executive to, to being, uh, my, my, my right hand publishers associate, you know, advertising, she's my advertising manager. So she made a transition, you know, it's, it's people have been sort of some of them tweaking their careers. If they're not right. completely relaunching them, relaunching them, they're looking at things that they enjoy as from what they, where they left and bringing those skills into a slightly different arena. So Grace, um, cause we're, we're going to run out of time soon and I want to have time to ask you a couple of more questions. Um, so I wanted to talk about the, uh, the May edition, May issue of uh, the uh, Inside Chappaqua magazine from, from last this past May, where it was called Local Women Forge Unexpected Career Paths to Success. And you featured a number of relaunchers in that article. And I was just wondering if you could give us some highlights from it. Sure. I was fascinated that in the community that I live in, that there were so many so many people relaunching their careers. I was very impressed. And I started hearing stories and saying, you know what, we should do a feature on relaunching your career, uh, which is how you got in touch with me, I guess, after this cover story ran. And it was, it was, it was written by this woman, Sabra, who relaunched her own career by working with me. And uh, we have one woman in it, uh, Elise Orlando, who was working on a trading floor for an investment investment bank. Um, but she raised after she had a, a, she gave birth to a son and her son was diagnosed with autism. And that became the impetus for her career change. And uh, she, uh, I, I think she now works at a place called the Devereaux Millwood Learning Center for five to 21 year olds with autism in Millwood. And she raises funds for autism edu education. And she's just, she serves on the board of directors at Extraordinary Ventures New York. Suffice it to say that she's somebody who transitioned from a trading floor career to um, working in the, in the world of, um, of, of supporting people and families with autism with autism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so she, uh, from, from her own, that was her own, from her own personal experience, she, she transitioned. Right. 
And then there was a woman, then a, a woman named Holly Blum, a vice president at a healthcare public relations firm. Um, she's somebody who who tweaked her career a bit. Didn't quite tweak it. She was working for a, a firm, but she, the the part of the, her job that she liked the best was the writing and. She said she was at a wedding listening to the worst wedding speech she had ever heard when she had an epiphany. And she started a company called A Speech to Remember, Mm -hmm. where she basically focuses on speeches for life's special Mm -hmm. occasions. Oh, that's great. Uh, So she started her own little business, and uh, I I hear she's doing well. Another woman, Kathy Bernardo of Chappaqua, with a master's degree in art history. She had spent years as a product developer for the retail division of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Uh, then, uh, let's see, she decided to create something called the Northeast Assisted Fertility Group um, after, the, after having her second child in 2005. Um, another woman who is a, a regular contributor to my magazine, Kelly Leonard, um, she's had a long, successful career in book publishing. Uh, When I met Kelly, I was so impressed with her career. I was like, wow, she's really done so much in the world of book publishing. She she really rose up the ranks. But in 2016, her beloved father passed away. She witnessed hospice for a second time in the family, and it resonated with her deeply. Um, And long story short, she applied to uh, for a CNA, a certified nursing assist, a certified nursing assistant program at Westchester Community College, and uh, she was accepted, and she is now a hospice nurse. So she went from book publishing to being a hospice nurse. Very interesting transitions. Yeah, a lot of uh, like like completely different uh, career paths from from where they started. Um, so Grace, we're wrapping up now, and in the final question that I want to ask you, it's it's a question we ask all of our podcast guests, but I'm going to tweak it a little bit. And um, I usually ask, what is the best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something we've already talked about today? But I wanted to ask you something a little more specific about what recommendations do you have for relaunchers who are trying to return to work in journalism and publishing, either on the writing side or the management side? Okay. Um I would say that if you're thinking of a journalism writing career, you I think you have to be realistic about it. It's 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 not Woodward, it's not instant Woodward and Bernstein anymore. You have to be a little bit of a jack of all trades. You have to be open to learning the new technology, learning social all the social media. Um, you have to recognize that just Bringing a, a um, yes, I, I want to write and report is not is probably not going to get you the job. Um, it might get you some freelance assignments, and if you want to just launch launch a freelance writing career, uh, that would probably be okay. But even a lot of editors today are are asking even freelance write freelance writers to um, to promote their work as well. I ask all my freelance writers to support me on, in my social media. So I think you have to just be open and open-minded. Uh, and, and you can, the journalism is still a vibrant happening 
career, despite what you're hearing about print media, it's just taking a different direction. Uh, there is there is talk about it being quote unquote dumbed down a little bit. I, I don't really see that. I see a lot of sites that are getting a lot of grant money and looking for really good content. Um, and content really is king at all the websites. People, um, the, the website editors know that, that great content is what drives great advertising at websites. So writers and journalists are still heavily valued. Um, you just have to learn as much of the industry as you can and, and understand that it's, that it's, you're, you're helping a publisher sell as well. And, mm -hmm. um, that there's that, um, yeah, well, I'm not sure that, that answer your question. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's a tough question because it's such an, it's an evolving industry. Um, but, and I like how honest you are about, you know, what the prospects are for someone who surely wants to do freelance writing as opposed to having this more of a package. Um, and also I have to say, I'm really inspired by you talking about how when you were launching the business, you were you were kind of you were afraid about selling, about these ad sales, and and you had to figure that out, and you didn't have any knowledge of it, and you had to get resources to help you figure out uh, the pricing and and what to what to say to people, and you had to go out and do it yourself, and you know sometimes you you need to take that step, even though it feels scary at the time, um so. I, I really appreciate you spending the time with us today, Grace. Thank you. I am thanking you. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and how can our audience find out more about Inside Press? Sure. Um, if you go to the InsidePress.com, you will see a lineup of all our magazines in in, uh, in the cover photo. You'll you'll see it there. You can follow us on Instagram at the Inside Press. Um, uh, on Facebook, if you follow Inside Press Magazines, I, I post all the articles that appear online there as well. Uh, there's an advertising link at the InsidePress.com where you can download a media kit and find out how to advertise if that's of interest. Uh, you can write to me with story ideas if you live locally or regionally at grace at insidepress.com, or you could simply write to me if you feel like it and want to pick my brain about anything. I'm pretty happy to be a mentor to many people. And um, that's really it. I, I'm just going to keep going and doing this till I retire. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Grace, thanks for joining us today. You're very welcome, Carol. Thanks for having me. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch and your host. For more information on I Relaunch, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.